Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. My name is Holly Pennebaker, and I'm the Digital Content Program Manager here at HCI. If you're listening today on iTunes, be sure to give us a rating. It helps other talent-minded people discover this program. I'm joined here today by Ben Eubanks, Principal Analyst at Lighthouse Research and Advisory and co-founder of HR Revolution. Welcome, Ben. Hey, Holly. I'm glad to be here today. We're glad to have you. So let's get started talking today about talent mobility and the importance of it in today's workplace. Can you explain what talent mobility is? So sure. You know, at a minimum, it's really about using our internal resources to fill our available positions, right? At the very basic level, that's what it is. But we're seeing in some of our research that some companies are taking a more strategic approach to that. Maybe we'll have a chance to talk about some of those in a little bit. But uh, really, they're making part this part of their key talent strategy. It's really about using the skills you already have in-house to plug any gaps you might have and to grow your capability as a company beyond just basic, you know, the basic quality of getting your bitch strength and understanding what that is, you're really able to flex and be nimble in the face of challenges. That's where businesses want to be. Awesome, Ben. And so I read a little bit of research that HCI did with Oracle back in January in 2015. Uh, We talked to almost 300 organizations and talked about, um, you know, that talent mobility recruiting from within and how you can leverage internal talent to alleviate a talent shortage. And a couple stats really brought it into mind for me on how important talent mobility is. And in 2015, we found that organizations are struggling to inform their current employees of their talent needs, but they're also struggling to keep up to date with records of their employees' needs. In fact, 51% of business leaders said they need to increase awareness of internal opportunities and 38% said they need to update their employees' information in order to get a better scope of their internal talent. So how would you say that talent mobility is different from succession planning, and how does it affect the business? The biggest thing that's different about it is that there's an employee aspect to it. It's not just top-down. So talent mobility matters because your people want it. And all the research tells us, whether it's around development, it's around um, recruiting, it's around retention, all those different pieces kind of plug into this. And they tell us that our people want these kinds of things and it makes good business sense. Um, To expand on that a little bit, we've actually developed this maturity curve that examines the three levels of adoption when it comes to talent mobility. There's passive, there's active, and there's strategic level. Passive is is very ad hoc. There's a limited scope. There's a limited cultural acceptance. And we'll talk about how key that is in a minute. But the key driver for them is let's just reduce turnover and try to just manage that the best we can. The next step up in terms of maturity is active. This is top down. This is more like session planning where there's there's some buy-in at the top. People are trying to push this down to their managers and to, to get them to accept these things. There's a cultural aspect to it. It's more broadly available, but it's still not taking the full picture into effect because we're not thinking about what the employees want and what they really need. So the biggest or the, the most mature level, I guess, is strategic. These companies are doing a couple things that are different, and it's really giving them some, some results that are far and beyond what the rest of people are seeing. So first up is technology enabled. They're using some tools, like you were saying a minute ago, to capture those skills, to give employees the opportunity to, to keep their skills updated and to understand where they want to go. 
They're focusing on things like the cross-pollination of ideas and innovation in the organization. They're not just saying, let's try to keep our people from leaving. They're saying, how can we use this resource, plug it in somewhere else, and have some synergy there, some additional value that we don't have today. It's very employee-driven. Growth as an employee base is seen as a cultural imperative. It's not just a nice-to-have. It's a must-have. If you come here, you're going to grow, you're going to develop. It's who we are, and it's a cultural thing that's woven through the company. And the real drivers there are business outcomes because it's connected to this other really neat piece of research we're working on that comes back to your question around what's the business sense, right? What's the business case for this? The hypothesis that we're working through is this. If talent mobility can influence engagement and engagement influences business results, then there's a key connection there between a positive talent mobility practice and things like customer satisfaction, innovation, revenue, and retention. Those are great points, Ben. And you talk about the strategic aspect of things and going from the bottom up and top down and all of that. And when we talk about succession planning, you know, we're not just talking about lateral movements either. Um, You know, organizations with an internal talent sourcing strategy report less of a struggle to fill those leadership positions. And so I like to think about the benefits. You know, they've already adopted company culture and have established strong working relationships if they're already part of the company. And so it's also important to keep a constant eye on the future as leaders get ready to retire. And that's when we really think of what type of a leader will the company want? And how will you handle skill gaps, uh, which can really be a critical issue? Uh, We found that organizations tend to hold bias when searching externally for those C-suite level talent positions. And the research shows the higher level of authority, the greater the challenge to fill the position might be. So when we talk about sourcing from within, um, do organizations risk losing high impact employees if talent mobility is not an option? They absolutely do. And uh, I mean, I can think of lots of anecdotal examples where someone wanted a position, they were, they saw themselves as qualified, but for whatever reason, they either weren't considered, they weren't aware of the, the opportunity, or the manager or the person in charge of hiring didn't think that the person was suitable for it, and they weren't chosen, and ultimately they left. And the, the challenge of that is we see that employee as their value today. We don't see their future value of that employee. We just see them as this replaceable thing, the set of skills that's not, that's not applicable or useful today, so they move on beyond that. And even if the person isn't moved into that role, even if the person isn't slotted directly, you know, the next, the next uh, person to, to wear the crown for whatever that role might be, they still can have the opportunity with talent and mobility to give them a development opportunity, to plug them in, to give them a chance to really work in some other areas of the business, even if they don't make that direct move up. Some of those lateral moves around give them those skills to help them understand, hey, you know what? The reason you didn't get picked for this is because you don't have the marketing background that we really need. We need you to have some more of these specific skills. So here's how we're going to help close those gaps. And next time a position opens up, you will be prepared for it. That's a much more valuable conversation to have with an employee than, sorry, you didn't make the cut, better look next time. And that also makes me think about the communication that can and should happen within an organization. Uh, We talk about how being in tune with employees and managers knowing, you know, what's on each other's minds. Um, Everyone, managers and employees must be in touch and The research shows that organizations lack information about where their employees want to go and how they want to grow. And 
we see that leaders should really take time to learn how their existing talent feels about those goals and what they need to develop, um, what they need to increase skills and and, excuse me, abilities, and you know, what are their career aspirations? So when we think about HR um, owning talent mobility, um, do they actually own it? And do you feel this is a combined effort from the manager, employees, and business? Or what are you hearing out in the marketplace? Yeah, this is very similar to the conversation around who owns corporate culture, right? Everybody thinks that that's something that HR kind of manages, but in reality, it's the shared behaviors of everybody in the organization. It's a shared responsibility, and I don't see talent mobility as any different. If it's just HR's program, then you're talking about succession planning. If it's a different kind of program where everyone has a say, everyone has a take on it, and everyone gets to share what, what they want to do, then that gets closer to this idea of talent mobility. So the HR function definitely needs to put the processes in place to support this, but the onus is on the employees and the managers to look for those opportunities to to plug people in wherever their skills might be applicable. Um, the, the thought that comes to mind, there's a company called Tata Consultancy Services. They're a large business process outsourcing firm, global, and their company encourages every single employee from top to bottom to share their own career growth aspirations with their managers. It's a requirement. I take a step back and see how that's played out for them. The CEO, the chief technology officer, and the chief financial officer all started out as trainees of that global company and work their way up because they had that chance to continuously say, here's my aspiration, here's how I wanna be, here's what I wanna do, and to continue growing and developing over time until they reach those, those positions, which are you know, the, the pinnacle that they can reach in, those, in that company. And it's just a neat example of how that can play out. It's, it's not just a, a neat idea to say, oh, understand what your people want. You have to embed it in the culture. People have to continuously come back to that thought of what do I want to do? What do I want to be when I grow up? You know, not just looking six months out, but looking five years out, 10 years out, what do I want to be and what do I want to do? And a lot of people don't have that thought that I'll still be with this company five years from now. It's just things move around so quickly. It's a very fluid job market. But I think part of that is also due to the fact that companies don't do a very good job. Like I said, going back to HR, putting a little responsibility on us. We need to be putting those processes in place that allow people to show what they want to do, to plot those career paths, to figure out what direction they want to go so that they're not just doing this ad hoc and hoping for the best. Yeah, great point. And so I'm sure that there are some masters of talent mobility out there and companies that are absolutely doing this right. So do you have examples of organizations that are successfully practicing talent mobility? And what does it look like in practice? And what does that success look like? So the fun part about talent mobility is that the examples are widely varied and they give a variety of use cases for how to put it into practice. There's not one specific method to make it work because, again, everyone's culture is different. Everybody's industry, size, all those things play in. So something that works for a 10,000-person company won't work for a company with 100 people in it. It's just a little different, right? So one of the first examples is Hootsuite. They're a technology company, and they're actually performing this ongoing experiment. The CEO is posting about it online, and that's number one. So it has executive buy-in support. He is talking about this program at his company and sharing the results and what's happening with it. But the core element of it is the stretch assignment, which, again, is nothing new. But the way they're going about it, they have a really good practice to put in place. It's a 90-day period. It takes one day a week. 
and the manager, the primary manager, has to agree to reduce the job duties on the person so that they can take that one day a week and focus on this other assignment. One of the key things that makes this work is a learning plan is required from the manager that is loaning the employee out and a manager that is borrowing the employee for the project so they can both put that learning plan in place to say, here's what we're going to get out of this. So at the end of that 90 days, if it's successful, if it works out, the employee can choose to go there and stay in that new role, or they can take what they've learned back with them to help make them more valuable in their current role. It's not just a fun thing. It's not just a neat idea, but it's how they, how they bring some value. One of the other stories that I really love is World Bank Group. So a couple of years ago, they had a hiring freeze, and no one was coming in the doors. So the work had to get done still. So they created what I call their internal eBay for talent. They allowed workers to bid on small projects and gain experience in a variety of disciplines throughout the company. The work still got done, but every single one of the people that got to participate in that in some way became more valuable as an employee, and they got to get around that hiring freeze, which is a challenge for them. And then finally, one of my favorites is Chipotle, um, not just because I like to eat there, but because I like their story. So the company was seeing very typical food service turnover, over 50% for some store managers. So pretty challenging environment. Well, when the company started hiring from within for those roles, instead of looking externally, which is, again, going to your point a minute ago, this is critical, hourly managers dropped by 64%, but they, they really worked both sides of the equation. So they were hiring from within, within but they also used their existing manager resources, their leaders, they incentivize them to develop new managers. They pay them $10,000 a person to bring up and train and develop a new manager under them. And to give you an idea of how well it's going, in 2010, they paid out more than a million dollars in those people development bonuses. Yeah, saving money is definitely important. And in fact, I would think that when we talk about success overall, I would think that leaders would help the organization financially too and be responsible for making smart decisions in that sense. Um, and so we know that in-house homegrown talent saves the organization money. Um, hiring internally is much less expensive and it's quicker. So that also accounts for the money an organization loses over the time that a position is vacant. Um, so I think that, yeah, all of that goes into making talent mobility happen. Um, so let's talk about that very first step. Um, can you provide some details of how a person or organization would bring talent mobility to their business? How would they get started? There's one key point that we have to make first, and there are three, three steps someone can take. So the, the first thing, I've talked about it a couple of times, it's having a culture that supports this. A lot of companies don't yet have a culture that encourages and supports people to move into new roles. Now, I'm not talking about, hey, it's my first day on the job, and I'm already thinking about the next thing I want to do necessarily, but I'm talking about working through your performance conversations and encouraging people in their development. So if your company only sees value in having a person work in a specific job for 10 years straight, you're not only behind the times, but you're really limiting your success because that's not what your people want, and they're probably going to leave based on the research. So there are three actions to take, very tangible things to do. Number one, internal set of skills. If you don't know what those skills are, you need to figure out how you're going to map them, how you're going to understand them, how you're going to get an up-to-date picture of what you have on your bench. Because without that, you can't put those people in other opportunities internally to help them grow. You won't know where they can fit, what they can do. You need to get that 
first good initial picture of your internal test skills. One Wharton study showed that, again, echoing some of the things you're talking about a minute ago about the, the challenges of external hires, this Wharton study showed that external hires receive lower performance scores in the first two years on the job, and they receive higher wages at the same time uh, than an internal fill. Um, so that's a, that's a double whammy really against companies. So think about those internal people because they can, they can get the job done up to speed faster and uh, typically it costs less money based on that study. So number two, let's coach managers on how to really encourage and uncover employee aspirations. Let's figure out how to get our managers to bring those things out of their people instead of focusing every one-on-one -on -one meeting on tasks and schedules and responsibilities day to day, let's carve out a portion of those one-on-one -on -one meetings with our employees to say, again, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do next? How can I help you? What do you like to do? How can I give you more of those kinds of things that play to your strengths? And then finally, look at this as a development tool. This is another avenue to deliver development, like in some of the examples I mentioned a minute ago. And it's powerful for people. It helps them to grow, learn, and do, and they're contributing at the same time. Gallup's research says that the primary reason people leave a company is to develop their skills and leverage their strengths. So why not give them the chance to do that while they're here? Way to top that off, Ben. You provide such a valuable insight to talent mobility, and we really appreciate you being here with us today. This has been so much fun. Thank you again for having me. You're welcome. And we'd also like to thank all of you tuning in, and we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed what you heard. Be sure to rate us on iTunes. We love it when you click five stars. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher Smart Radio, and on the YouTube channel HCI Talent. Last, one more big thank you to Ben Eubanks for providing our listeners with the latest on talent mobility. For 9 to Thrive HR and all of us at HCI, thank you for listening.